Thank you for listening to the Divine Nobodies Podcast with Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe so you never miss a show. If you're on Instagram, please follow us at Divine Nobodies Podcast and join our ever-growing community of lightworkers and spiritual visionaries. Together, we can raise the frequency of our planet and bring in a new era of awakening and inner standing. Welcome to our tribe. And now your hosts, Eric Ajna and Jennifer Lynn. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Good evening. Good evening to all across the world. Jen, we're back. We're back. It's back a glorious at it again. day. Well, I'm it glad is. that we actually decided to do this right before Mercury retrograde, by the way. Oh, God, I can't believe it. Yeah. Again? You just pulled it up like on it the calendar. I feel like it just happened. Hey, you know what? We'll, we'll make the most of that experience. We are. Right? So yeah. our, our moon is in Gemini, so we'll stride all the way through with yeah. our precise communication. We'll get jumbled up into words. We'll figure it out. Yeah. We got a good episode lined up. We have a really special young lady with us. She started her spiritual journey at eight years old when she was introduced to various wonderful teachers and philosophies. Throughout her childhood and young adult life, she continued learning about meditation, utilizing her intuition, communicating with divine beings, Jim. Yeah, I'm interested to hear about that. Yeah, divine beings. Divine with a capital beings. D. With a capital D. And energy, like divine nobodies. Exactly. Hey-o. Exactly. It's like same, same. And energy healing through various experiences and becoming a Reiki master at the age of 16. That's super impressive. Yeah, that's really, really impressive. She's got that really special relationship to Makawa Sui. They're buds. They're buds. Uh, As a golden light healer and intuitive, she has now devoted her life to helping others discover just how powerful they are through her healing and uh, certification artwork, YouTube, and programs. She's got a lot of different things on here. Mm Mm-hmm. But her artwork is amazing. We're going to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, it's amazing. She believes this work is so important because once we discover just how magical we are, we can change the world. That's right. And that's what it, that's what it's about. It's about that's changing changing the world. Everybody, let's welcome Haley Cole. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I also love that you guys are Gemini moons because I am too. I have like four planets in Gemini. How amazing. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. How about really? that shit? That's, that's a lot <laughs> yeah. of Gemini. That's a lot of communication. It's a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. And your son, what, what is your, your, your sun sign? Um, my sun's in Cancer. My okay. moon is in Gemini. My rising is in Gemini. My Mercury's, Mercury is in Gemini. And um, there's one more. I think my Mars is in Gemini too. Wow. It's a whole lot of mercurialness. Yeah. <laughs> how does that sort of, how does that, um, how do you embody like your, your sort of journey with that much Gemini in your chart? Well, I didn't really know <laughs> for a long time. <laughs> um, it wasn't until probably a couple of years ago, um, mm. but I'm so adamant about meditation. So I think that I've been meditating for quite a long time. So I think that definitely helps to just quiet the mind. Cause if I don't do that, I definitely notice that my, I'm, my mind's going a million miles a minute. So yeah. I have to like ground that back in. <laughs> yeah. Especially during Mercury retrograde too. Cause me and Jen were the Gemini moons. We, um, we, you know, we mentioned that, but um, about for me, it's always just about practicing just sort of like being precise and articulating the words because our mercurial nature sometimes get us in trouble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And making sure I mean? everything's plugged in and we hit record. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us. I'm actually going to start by reading something that I saw off of your IG. And uh, I think it, I mean, there's a lot of great information on there, but it says, I love seeing past lives come through when I channel home of the soul work. For one, it's just interesting. Secondly, it's so healing for people to hear about them. 
Without realizing, we sometimes hold on to past life experiences that contribute to the karmic cycles we live, uh, live out throughout our life and our lifetimes. Although you can 100% release and break through these cycles just through having a diligent spiritual and meditative practice, it can be helpful to examine past life experiences if you feel like you have hit a wall. The best way to do this is through meditation. Mm-hmm. So that's like a really, really powerful statement. And I think that um, it would be a good thing to go into. Basically, it's just about your journey and your meditation and your sadhana. So it says here that you started your journey at eight years. Yeah. So what did that um, look like? So it's really interesting because like I I kind of have been explained from like my my spirit guides and my team that that was when like my official training started. Um, but before then, I just always had a very deep connection to God. Like I, I just loved God so much. Um, and I would always just ask cause for a little while my family was Catholic. So I would talk to Jesus all the time and just ask him questions and like, here are the answers. And I didn't think really anything of it too much. It was like mm-hmm. just having a conversation. Um, and obviously I felt like there was some stuff that fell off to me and that religion, even from a very young age, but I still felt that connection was still there. And then at around eight years old, um, my family kind of wanted to venture off and, and look at other things. Something happened with my parents. Um, and so we actually, or they looked to other sources of information and knowledge. So we actually got introduced, my, my family and I, to a variety of different people. Um, one of them, his name is Georgie Ayea, and he actually studied as a lama. He was like all around the world studying various spiritual practices. He's a feng shui master, and he came into our lives, and he just taught us every everything <laughs> that he possibly could. I mean, we were very young, um, so he would come um, for like weekends at a time and, and do stuff for like our house and stuff like that, but also just teach my brothers and I how to meditate about spiritual practices, about different philosophies, um, you know, even like about karma that and eventually he actually started teaching workshops in the area, which um, I would go to and just sit in. I loved it. It was like the school that I felt like I always wanted. Um, and like in these workshops, we would learn about the chakras. We would learn about the different ascended masters, the archangels, the gods, the goddesses, um, how energy works, how manifestation works. Like it was kind of around the same time the secret came out, but like I felt like it was a lot deeper than the secret. Um and really just about these these ancient systems, essentially. Um, so I was introduced to it at a pretty young age and just developed that practice. Um, I was very lucky where I got to go see like Alma and Sri Kurunamai and Mother Mira and Derek O'Neill at a very a pretty young age. I started going to see them when I was around like 12 or 13. Um, so I was around very like kind of I guess enlightened or spiritual people from a pretty young age. So I understood what that looked like um, and like what, what teachings felt like to me and what it felt like when I was coming from a very pure source. Um, So I was, I went through that process and then um, around 14, I started learning Reiki and then at 16, I became a Reiki master. And then kind of after that, I, I loved my spiritual side. It was a huge part of who I was. Um, But 
I definitely, I grew up in a very, very small town in Connecticut and it was not accepted at all. Um, and like what I could do and the things I knew weren't like, I didn't talk about them. They did. It didn't always really go well. I was kind of meant to kind of feel bad about it. And I think I like had an identity crisis kind of, of like, who do I want to be? Um, I don't like, I felt very, I had very, very low self-confidence. Um, cause I felt like I couldn't really be who I was. So I like put on, you know, that mask that a lot of like kids put on where, um, I like played sports and I pretended like that stuff didn't exist unless I was at home and I didn't really talk about it that much. And I think what happened is I, I wasn't confident in who I was and develops that very low self-esteem. I got into a super, super toxic relationship that lasted a really long time um, or like a decent amount of time. And I developed an eating disorder. I ended up just like kind of getting really bad depression, really bad anxiety. And then I kind of like got out of it. And then I graduated from college. I moved from, you know, that small town. And then I actually ended up getting assaulted one night. Um, and after that, I was just like, I, I'm, I'm done. I like, I can't, I like, don't know who I am anymore. Um, and I still loved like the spiritual side. I still went to workshops. I still like went to go see the people I loved. Like I never closed the door on it but I was never open and I didn't fully embrace that aspect of who I was um, until, until like after that happened. And I was just like, I'm done. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to be happy. Like I, I know that this person exists and like, I could see her in my mind. I was like, I can do this. I know I can. Um, and I just developed a very, very like disciplined and diligent practice. I wouldn't allow myself to watch like, shows or TV really, unless it was educational or spiritually based. Um, I had to work out very, very hard at least three times a week, if not more. Um, I had to meditate for at least 20 minutes, but 20 minutes was the bare minimum. And those 20 minutes was completely devoted to healing and just allowing myself being like, well, why did I think that certain things were okay? Like, I would have like Archangel Michael come forward and like take me back to certain memories and like really examine them, look at them from all angles, release. And during that time period was actually when they started teaching me different techniques to use um, that were outside of Reiki um, and just like kind of took me through different processes and like how to really do it on myself and do the work on myself so that I can like move and get through. And then I got permission from them because I'm really big on permission um, to be able to do it on other people. And then after that, they were like, okay, you can teach other people how to do it now. So it's been like quite, quite the process. Um, but that's kind of how, how it all started. So this it is a really, really long story and there's it's packed with so, so many, many, so many different types yeah. of experiences. And the first thing that kind of points out to me is that you, I imagine you had to have, um, some level of understanding or maybe cognizance of maybe perhaps some past lives integrated in with this life because considering how young you were when you got into this mm -hmm. it it you know that's a very different narrative than what most people go through especially children to mm -hmm. be disconnected to spirit and i know that you had the other people in your life as far as your family that sort of paved the way with the influence of your teachers but how did uh, those spiritual dimensions illuminate themselves to you because i know you talked about archangel michael like how do those things come into your field uh, when you experience them? 
So for me, I haven't like physically seen them, but I know their energy so well at this point now that I just know that they're there and I can see them in my third eye. Um, and I can have like, it's like I'm having a conversation with them. Um, I'm also very diligent about like protection and I am also very diligent that like, I'm also a human and that I need to be grounded. So I'm not in communication with them all the time. Um, I like almost like for a while I was setting up like office hours, <laughs> um, but it's very much like having kind of like a conversation with them um, or just to sit and feel that energy. Typically, like I don't really go looking for it often unless I really need to know the answer for something. Um, or I'm like working on someone then I'll, then I'll have that conversation with them. Um, it's really for me just about going inward and like understanding my own like divinity and loving that aspect of who I am while acknowledging that also exists outside of me. And then if they want to connect with me on that deeper level while I'm in that experience, then that's something that's open to that. But that always comes first is my own love for the self and yeah. for that around me. Kind of sounds like mediumship a little bit. Like yeah, it definitely is a little bit. The same type of practice of, of turning it on and turning it off whenever you need to and and being present for the moment, right? Yeah. So you said something that I thought was really interesting kind of at the beginning of the podcast, you were talking about um, about religion and how you were in the Catholic religion and very young, something just wasn't, wasn't right. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I feel like that's something that a lot of people, especially a lot of people that come to our podcast for information, really struggle with. So can you talk yeah. just a little bit about that experience? Yeah. So to be honest, this is actually still something that I'm releasing that I just kind of realized, I think I'm holding on to some trauma because even afterwards, like I went to a Catholic school for a couple of years. Um, but for me, my, like one of my very first memories is actually like sitting in church. And I remember the priest was talking about how, like, although we respect mother Mary and we like love mother Mary, she's not special and she wasn't like equal to Jesus. And I remember saying there and being like, that's not true. <laughs> like, and I had like, no, nothing like around me that was like teaching me that, but I was like, she was just as powerful. Um, and so I think that was like really the first, first indication for me. Um, and then after that, it was, it was stuff that happened in like the church that we were in. Um, I remember that we had this priest and, everyone um like kind of like loved him and I remember one day like afterwards he would like go and like give hugs to people outside the church or whatever and I remember being so confused that day because we had learned that like priests couldn't have relationships and I was so confused because I knew he was having relationships so I was like I don't I don't understand like what's going on um and come to find out he was like having affairs with like all of the women, like with a ton of married women that were in the church. And so it was just like, it was things like that, that just added up where I think I was like, this isn't the same as what I feel or what I know in my heart and what I feel on a daily basis. Um, and also just like the comparison to what I was learning when I was in like these workshops or even when I was just doing my own thing or even, even being out in nature was so different than like the structure and like, I don't really love structure much anyway, but like the structure that religion kind of provided, it felt more like it was trying to control rather than empower. Um, and like from a young age, I just didn't agree with that. But I think I got very lucky because I got the opportunity to see that there was stuff beyond what I was introduced to. 
um, and not everybody has the opportunity. And so sometimes they just equate like the divine or God or spirituality to their experiences that they had in religion. And to me, religion is more of an organization and it's actually a lot more like root chakra oriented um, rather than like, I don't even like Hinduism. It's more of actually a philosophy rather than a religion or even just spirituality in general, which to me is much more of like even the heart chakra and like up. Um, so it, it, I think it depends on your experience, but from what I experienced, it was much more of like an organization that was trying to control rather than a philosophy that was trying to support and empower you to get to a certain level that everybody has a right and can get to. I mean, yeah. that's impressive. You're very self-actualized for an eight-year-old <laughs> you yeah. know, to, to, it, it, to come it, up with all this. It's an interesting thing. And I've thought about this too. I mean, because I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I had the very, very similar experience. It's crazy because when we touch on sort of spirituality and these sort of themes that we talk about, it, there's this sort of like willingness to expand and evolve. Like evolving is natural. It's just a natural part of the spirit. But for whatever reason, when you look at the Christian church in retrospect, you look back at those experiences, you see that the, the message is very stagnant. You know, mm. it doesn't ever move. And to me, that just seems so counter counterintuitive to what true spirituality is, which is, you know, not limiting God to these sort of concepts and I, these ideologies, but embracing the fact that we have the ability to move and, and take on different forms and sort of enjoy that experience. So what was it like when you were a kid with this understanding? Because I know that, you know, uh, I know you touched on it a little bit, but being a child with that sort of expanded type of awareness is probably not the easiest thing to move through because I imagine you're sort of ostracized by the people in your field. Yeah, it was hard. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like it was definitely, I felt very disconnected I think I had a very difficult time like making friends um, because the things that I, I wanted to like even talk about or I wanted to do or I wanted to express like that it just couldn't be there. Um, and it, it was, it was hard. And I think that's part of the reason why I developed such low self-esteem is because I had this, but I only had this in certain aspects of my life. And even though, and this is not a victim thing at all. And even though I'm very grateful for this experience, um, but even though like I had that stuff going on home, like my relate, my um, belief systems are actually very different than the rest of my families, which is a good thing um, because it's it's just a very personal relationship that we all have. But it it was definitely isolating, um, which I think led to the decisions that were made later in life. Um, there was that like lack of support and, and understanding. But at that same time, I'm not angry at it. I'm actually very grateful for it because there's a greater capacity for compassion for others who have experienced that, that I wouldn't have if I didn't have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's a beautiful story. And I mean, you, it's obviously been a catalyst for a lot of really amazing things that you do. And the Reiki part, I mean, going into it at age 16, I, I have a, a level two, I mean, and in, in Reiki, so I've been doing it for quite some time, but the awareness that you must have at 16 is probably, you know, much more in depth than other people. So oh, how yeah. did you, how did you get into the, the, the Reiki piece and how did you administer that? Um, I, I'm not sure if you actually started teaching at that point, but what was that, that journey like for you at 16? So... 
for me, it was like a little, it was like a two year process. I think, I think it was around two years. Um, by the time like the Reiki master came into play, um, it just really felt, I don't even really remember signing up <laughs> to be completely honest. Yeah, like I was taught, I was just like in, in the class. Um, I, I think that my, um, the, our family friend who studied as, as a llama and stuff like that, um, I think he like asked my parents for me to be there or something happened. Um, and I just remember like going through the classes, but um, it definitely, it felt just right. It just felt like I was relearning a lot of stuff that I already knew. Um, and when it came to energy healing, I already knew that I can put my hands on somebody and like put energy and move the energy around and like things would happen. I was doing that on myself from the time I was very young. Um, so it was just like almost like putting a name to certain things or like getting a certification behind it. Um, and it just felt like a very logical step in that part of my journey to like where I was. Um, and then after that, I didn't really teach, but I used it on myself a lot. And it was really, it was more along the lines of like, cause is so like teenager, but like, if I had like, um, like a, a test or if I had a game that I was really nervous about, I would actually go in like the bathroom and do like Reiki on myself and score like way more than I would. It was like a clear difference. Oh, wow. Um, and so I would do, then I would do like kind of like group healings. Um, but I didn't really do one-on-one -on -one work until, later because I was still so scared of like telling people this was stuff that I was interested in I remember I was like telling my boyfriend at the time that this is something that I did and I like started crying because I was like I don't know how I was going to react um so it was definitely it was interesting um to have like those two those two sides yeah I know a lot of people um that are interested in Reiki and energy healing and it's always a semi-difficult conversation to have especially with people that aren't familiar what, with what it is because you talk about well what is Reiki and you're just sort of like shooting energy out of your hands and um <laughs> you know a lot of what they they teach you as far as what I've understood about Reiki is that everybody has this life force energy yeah. inside of them right mm -hmm. so what can you tell the people that um want to get into Reiki but don't really know where to start I would just, I think actually the first thing in, in energy healing in general, because, um, you know, we, we're all just made up of energy. Our bodies are really just denser versions of ourselves. Um, as to like just study even like about the chakra system, about the different energetic bodies, like about how things interact with each other and like kind of see how that feels to you. And if that feels like that's really resonating or if it's just like kind of making sense, then like take it a step further. Um, or if you're somebody who has like almost had not a savior complex, but is like an empath or as someone who is like really trying to help people often, I think actually learning an energy healing and then actually doing it on, on clients is a really beautiful avenue for that. Because sometimes when we're, we have that purpose of being a healer or being like a coach or a teacher or something like that, we try to do that with people in our lives and maybe attract more con like toxic people. Um, and then when we have clients that we're working on it with, then it's actually like an outlet for that and we're able to channel that energy into to service because that's actually what our soul kind of like is asking for us to do and for us to to learn um so i think that starting out with that is really beautiful and just checking in with the energy with with yourself um that's kind of how i started was like well where do i feel like something is off because energy always has like an a beginning or starting point 
um, especially if you're holding on to something, it resonates in certain areas of the body and then it just kind of spreads out from there. So kind of seeing and pinpointing where you're feeling like the most pain, where you're feeling the most emotion and then just sitting with it and just moving the energy around, pulling it out, putting light there, whatever you need to do and see how that feels. And if you feel like that's like something that you're, you're good at, or you like to do, then like look into getting certified in, into other things or even just learning it on your own. Yeah. Very cool. That's a great explanation. Yeah. You know, something that I was reading on your website and I, I was very interested to hear about was uh, that you're a golden light healer. So what exactly is that? And, and is this, I, saw got the impression on your website that this is something that you were taught and this is your like mystery school teaching is that Mm -hmm. is that right yeah so when I was kind of going through that time where I literally like really didn't do anything else except for for work and healing um that was the process that my guides kind of told me and of course I've learned stuff since then um but it's techniques that I learned um in those meditations that I did on myself that I then like did on other people and have seemed to work very well so with golden light healing um it's about clearing um but it's not just on the chakra system it's examining you know past lives if that comes up knowing how to deal with that um if there's an energy that's around how do you deal with that like cord cutting dealing with that um the different energetic bodies um i like to teach about like dna work cellular healing i love working with sacred geometry um so there's like kind of all-encompassing because energy and energetic work is all-encompassing and then the energetic piece of activations um i like to and every healing with an activation of the golden light within, which is, I, I say, Christ conscious or just the de- de- pure divine love, your higher self, your soul that lives within your system. Um, it exists between the heart and the solar plexus. It's like a little ball of light, but it's like this infinite, powerful thing that just is always constant and always there. Um, and so in golden light healing, that's like kind of the final piece after we clear out and release anything that you're holding on to, you then do that activation throughout the entirety of the body of that golden light or that Christ consciousness that exists within the own system. So it's also an activation. Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, as, as I'm, I'm versed in Reiki and you know how, like when they certify you, they give you the kanji symbols, like the chokori mm-hmm. and they have you sort of write it on your hands. There's sort of like mm-hmm. these sacred healing symbols. There's like the Seiki and then like the, the chokore is, do you also use symbols in the same mm-hmm. way with the golden light healing? Not really. Um, a lot of people I find, or I just started certifying people, a couple of them are certified in Reiki. Um, and so they might incorporate it into like their golden light healings. Um, but it's actually more just about like the releasing of the energy rather than like the the symbols or, or things like that. And like kind of like that over overarching, although Reiki definitely does incorporate that as well. Um, it's kind of more, I look at Reiki as like a very beautiful, loving and like gentle energy. Um, and although golden light healing has that and definitely is that, um, it is a little bit more intense of a release process um because it's really like kind of like looking into not only this life but like let's see beyond that um and it's more along the lines of like pulling things out of like the system and then integrating like that light in or different vibrations in connecting with the team or the guides or the higher self and seeing what they really need so it's kind of specific to the, the person 
Yeah, I love that. It seems like Reiki is like a really good stepping stone because I agree with you. I mean, it's a really good foundation to have. There is still a lot of mystery behind it because Makawasui was a very mysterious type of fellow that we don't mm. really know a whole lot about. <laughs> but even when they would give me the the, the kanji symbols, um, I found that just in other books that I've read, but even in my own practice, just creating your own symbols, mm-hmm. um, people start doing that too, which is really cool. You um, talk a lot about past lives in your work, which I think is really interesting because me and Jen, we have our own experiences that point to um, past lives. And we've also um, had a few episodes where we talked about them. Um, so do you uh, recognize and remember um, a lot of the past lives of where you came from? And if so, um, what were those? So I remember a few. I actually don't look at them unless I know there's something to heal. Um, and I know that like, there's something coming up. Usually I actually just had a situation where I was like pushing things down cause I was seeing the memories come up and I was like, I'm not ready to deal with that yet. But what I kind of tell people is when they're doing like past life healing is if you've kind of almost like hit a wall, like you've looked at all the inner child stuff and you've like looked at all of like your conscious memories, that's an indication that it's like a past life thing. Or if you've seen like the patterning of a lot of things throughout your life of like unworthiness that's showing up in different ways. Um, that's an indication that that's probably something that you brought in and like a karma to release and like a past life thing that you're kind of living out for me. Um, there's been a couple of like kind of interesting ones. Um, I mean, I, I like to think I was always the best person, but, um, I had one where I, it wasn't like, I don't think I was really a spiritual person, Um, but I essentially like sold out like my family and friends or something along those lines for like fame and and money or something. Um, and I felt terrible in that lifetime. And that was actually a karma that I had to release because I essentially was just beating myself up and not allowing success to occur, um, throughout my lifetimes after that, because I felt so, so bad essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a thing I had to release, especially when you're starting a business. Um, I had one that I actually just started to remember where, um, I was a monk and I was in Tibet and I've had a few lives in Tibet. That's definitely a place where I felt very connected to. And I remember when I was younger, I like actually had a very hard time watching, like, anything around like when Tibet was invaded like I would just want to start like bawling um or even thinking about that like it it still makes me a little bit emotional um and so yeah I had one life in particular where it was I was a monk and I just loved it and that life taught me and was preparing me for like kind of this one um because although sometimes I have this like desire to seclude myself and maybe like go to the Himalayas and just be in a cave and meditate for the rest of my life. That's not the purpose of this one. Um, but I got to do that in like that, that lifetime and and prepare for that and understand, um, you know, just full service and devotion and what exactly that meant. And that was that big lesson in that lifetime. Um, and when I had that kind of come to the surface and I was able to just acknowledge that I've had that experience, um, that desire actually like kind of went away a little bit more and I was able to be a little bit more okay with being seen, especially within a spiritual space. So it's a little bit sometimes of like stuff that needs to be released so that we can heal so that we can fully step into our purpose and transcend into our higher self even, even further. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And hearing about your past lives makes perfect sense now about how (laughs) you stepped into, and to such a, a 
serious and heightened spiritual practice at such a young age. So mm. I, I mean, our past lives are, <laughs> the past lives we experienced were very different. I definitely wasn't meditating um, in Tibet, I'll tell you that. Like, uh, <laughs> was yours? yours was, uh, you were a- uh, I was a prostitute, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was, I was a prostitute you. with my mom, yeah. Um, <laughs> just to add, you know, an extra layer to it, you know, but also an alien. So, uh, uh, and Eric, Eric and I were siblings in, in a past life. Yeah, she um, was a Pleiadian and I was an Arcturian and we somehow met in the middle and we decided to reincarnate into this life in order to create this podcast amongst other things of course me and jen have been friends for a long time we've helped each other through a lot of really amazing um times in our lives but this podcast has just been the ultimate teaching because we get to learn from really amazing people like you and it's always really cool to meet um people that are very sensitive very sensitive to this type of subtle and causal realm and um it's it's always great to, to, to meet people that have established some level of contact with these realms. And one thing that comes across conversations that I have with other people that want to get into this work is it's not as easy for them to, you know, communicate to their guides or tap into that psychic energy. So for you, um, when you communicate like with your guides, do you, do you, when you're with other people, do you sense other people's guides around them? And what are some ways that people can naturally just tap into that relationship with the guides that they have? So with your own guides, I mean, I always suggest meditation because even if you're not necessarily getting messages in meditation, um, it's actually just quieting the mind so that you, you can transcend and have that meditative mind throughout your day so that you're open to receiving messages or downloads or whatever you want to call it just in your day-to-day life. Um, because your, your guides don't, or your, your guides or your higher self, like they don't care. Like if you're, if you tell them like, I can only get messages then like, or they're like, they're like, we're not going to listen to that. Um, but what it does is it develops that discipline, which um, I'm a huge advocate for having some sort of like at least sacred discipline. Um, and it develops that space so that you are quieter because oftentimes our minds are racing so much or we're focused on other things that even if your guides were to give you a sign or to give you a message, then you're, you might not pick up on it or you might, then your ego might come in and be like, no, that's not your team or that's not your guides or things like that. But when we do things like meditation or we just stay conscious throughout our day and like kind of realign even throughout the day, even if it's just for like a minute or like five minutes, then that allows ourselves to bring ourselves back in so that we can remain open to receiving those messages. It also depends on how you receive messages because everybody is different. Um, People like talk about the clairs a lot, but really kind of understanding how your intuition works is also a huge step because how someone gets messages might not be how you receive messages. So that's also an important piece of it too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I, I tend to be a little bit more clairaudient and I, I hear the messages through sound and it doesn't even necessarily have to be like dialogue and words. Um, I can mm. hear it. I can feel the feeling just through regular frequencies. So I do sound healing um, outside of this. And that was what I was doing prior to this podcast. But I always felt like a certain sort of loving energy and messages come through in that way. And I think that's kind of like where a lot of my light language came from. Mm. And um, it, it's always, um, and that's the one thing that kind of confuses people, right? Is they're not attached, uh, tapped into those clairs, they're automatically just going to think that their guide's going to walk through the door and start speaking English to you. you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what my husband thinks. 
Yeah. 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 He's like, I can't meditate. I just can't quite my mind. I can't do it. And he was like, if they wanted to give me a message, they would. And I'm like, oh, no, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. It's like you have to almost have to, it seems like you have to develop a relationship with yourself and Mm -hmm. those sort of subtle sort of energies. You have to be very, very sensitive to those. And she actually, she said it. It's like you have to quiet down the mind. Yeah. Because we get into this process of like, trying to intellectualize and conceptualize the whole process of even just reaching out to guides. Yeah. And we end up creating this whole roundabout system of overanalyzing it. Absolutely. I imagine it's very simple. Yeah. The, the advice that my, my medium teacher, Michael Mayo gave me, he was like, do less. Just when, <laughs> when you're sitting there in medica- meditation and um, you start thinking of things and whatever, he was like, just relax more and do less, do less, do less, do less. And then that's when the messages come. Yeah. So mm. I was like, mm, yeah. And it, he's right. It works. This is like a really random um, little fact though. But I remember that movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall a long time ago. And like <laughs> yeah. Paul Rudd was in that movie. And like uh-huh. she was on this, on the beach with like this surfboard. And the guy was like, when he got on the surfboard, he was teaching him how to, how to surf. And he's like, okay, you got to do less, do less. And he's like, okay, okay. And all of a sudden he's like, no, no, you're doing too much. You're doing too much. You're doing too much. And he's like, and he starts doing what he's like, like no, do you're anything. doing too much. And, and, and do you remember that part? Where he's like, just laying on the board, just completely, just like not moving. And he's like, well, you got to do something. You can't just like sit there and do nothing. But it's like, it's the paradoxical thing, right? It's mm-hmm. like in order to invite it all in, you have to sort of just give it all away. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Yeah. So how much, um, how much do you think that our, do you think that we have more than, uh, do you think we bring in our guides from our past lives into these ones too? Do you think that we have ones that follow us throughout our life? So what I've come to understand about guides um, is that you have one from the time that you're born until the time that you pass in this lifetime that's assigned to you. And then it's kind of like the other ones sub in and out, depending on what you need. Um, and kind of what I've come to understand about that too, because sometimes like, when I heard that for the first time, I was like, oh, like I like this person. But what I've learned is like the the guys that I have in my team are the guys I really I need at that moment. So when I was healing um, a lot of stuff around masculine energy, um, I had a lot of release that I had to do around it. And I thought that my team was going to be full of like divine feminines and goddesses and like ascended masters who were women to like help support me through that. Cause like they would understand. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was not, it was all masculine. Um, it was all like for me to understand what the divine masculine felt like to help me heal and like understand what it was supposed to be. Um, and through various experiences I had with that, that was actually the more powerful avenue, even though maybe at the time I didn't really want <laughs> to talk to any masculine energy, that's masculine energy, that was the most powerful. So it's really what we need at that time in our lives. Um, and like, I find that it varies. I think everyone has like a number that they throw around of what they see for spirit guides, but I kind of think that it's like, whatever you want because we can have whatever we want so if you want 20 they'll give you 20 if you want five you can have a team of five like I think that people think that there's so many rules in the universe and how things are set up but really we create our own reality in whatever sense of the world so if we want to have more guides or we want to work with certain beings we can just call them in and they'll be more than happy to yeah Yeah. I totally relate to that it makes me think of uh because I study a lot of like after after death studies and a lot of people have this idea or that you know when people pass away or when they transition to the other side that jesus is just going to show up there and there's no exceptions to that but the one thing that i've read and just reading the works of like raymond moody and pima chatwater is that if you're a buddhist and you 
you know, believe that Buddha is going to be there at the end of their life, like he will be there. And mm-hmm. same thing with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know, the same thing with uh, whatever it is that you believe. I feel like the, the source energy in the universe, God is, is such an all encompassing sort of uh, force that it will come in any way that you will receive him, whatever way that makes you feel most comfortable. And I imagine like guides are kind of the same way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah. I, the one thing that I really, really wanted to get into, um, which was like really inspiring to me because me and Jen are really into Oracle cards and and tarot Mm -hmm. cards. And we're really big fans of Rebecca Campbell. Mm -hmm. And um, you are an amazing artist. You make really, really, really great (laughs) work. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Really, really beautiful, beautiful work. And I, I feel that there's a different type of inspiration that you get from these cards that I imagine probably come from past life memories and things like that. What inspired you to go down that route of being an artist? So I always loved drawing and art. Um, and it was really, I actually studied it for a couple of years in college. Um, and then I switched, but I just always loved and adored it. But for me, it was just very different. Um, my art teachers would always like get mad at me because I wanted to create like very positive imagery and they were like, this isn't deep enough. Um, and I actually, that's why I ended up like switching majors because I just got into, I got into too many fights and I was trying to get into some program. I was like, I'm never going to get in. This woman does not like me. Um, but for me, it was just like what I see, I guess, from a very young age, I could just like kind of see landscapes. Like I love creating landscapes and imagery that I, that I see and that exists. Um, and kind of just like having people know that like their home of the soul is, that's kind of what I call it. Um, but for me, when, when it first was introduced, it was actually a meditation that my, a teacher of mine guided me through, um, to see my home of the soul. And it was one that really stuck with me because that's where I would always go in meditation. If I really was like struggling to quiet my mind, I knew if I go here, then I know that I can quiet my mind because this is my home. Um, and it helps me to realign and to quiet my brain. And so I realized that like a lot of people long for that. And I'm very adamant with like, you know, we chose to be incarnated on earth. So we need to be grateful for this life. And this is also our home. So we need to be extraordinarily grateful and love it and adore it. Um, but at that same time, like our soul is very vast and we've had so many different experiences. And I know how healing it was for me to, to see that. Um, and so I wanted to create that for other people. So it works similar to a reading where I call on their spirit guides, I call on their higher self, and I ask them to show me images of what their soul home looks like, what they want me to incorporate, um, what's the symbol behind certain things, because usually every aspect of it has certain things that symbolize it, um, even down to like the colors or the way that things are structured. Um, so it's definitely like, very personalized to the person um, and to let people know that we're all unique and we're here to live a unique experience and we're all special in our in our own way but we're all equal at the same time Um, and we all deserve to feel that encompassing of home and and love and come back to that so that's kind of the inspiration behind it Um, and also like the reading piece of this is what it looks like (laughs) yeah so have you created um your soul's home like on Mm -hmm. paper for other people to see 
So yeah, actually I just did. Cause I was like, Oh wait, I've been doing this for other people. Like here's what mine looks like. Um, and yeah, so I've, I've created mine. It's more in depth than kind of like what I've put. Cause I, I, I do like some things to be private, um, to me, but, um, yeah, there's an aspect of it that I, I put in there, which is like, it just is like a jungle and like a lot of waterfalls that I just like sit in, um, all the time. I I sell that one. Is it on your, mm-hmm. is it on your website mm-hmm. or on your IG? I- it's on my IG. I literally just posted it. So oh, it's really yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I want to check it out. I think I saw it. I think I saw it. We'll post actually um, a clip of uh, some of her art on the pod up here in the corner so that people can see it. So um, you're saying that the a lot of these pieces you commissioned to other people, and of course there's intention behind them. You can definitely see that. But all those images that we have, those really, really surreal, beautiful images come from an intuitive impulse of how you imagine that person's sort of home looks like right Mm -hmm. yeah and definitely like what i'm told it's um it's definitely like guides at least the way that i've communicated with them are very adamant about certain things of like this rock needs to be in this place or like this color needs to be there but yeah it's 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 all like intuitively guided um and essentially it's kind of like a different form of a reading Wow, that is so cool. You know, one of my girlfriends, her mother, and this was like back in the 70s, there was a psychic that did, did a, um, like a, a soul goddess painting for her and her daughters. So each one of them had like their own painting of, of their like soul body, their soul look. And it was so cool. I mean, she's, she's dead and gone, passed away, but, um, it just reminded me of that, like your work, how you're creating people's soul, soul homes and showing them, you know, like to have it on paper of what it looks like, kind of like the same concept, which is really cool. So I love this. I actually want to do it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to, I'm going to call you after oh, this. Yeah, Jen's, Jen's, yeah. Jen's going to get up on this. And the yeah. one thing that I love about the, the artwork is it seems so very true to um, a lot of the stories that people um, talk about seeing in the afterlife mm-hmm. you know just very like fluorescent very beautiful i mean i love pastels but when you look at that image you get this undeniable feeling that this place could actually exist mm. you know and um, through plant medicine or just different other um, experiences that people go through through meditation um, these sort of structures and these these scenes that you have in these these images seem something for me um, to be really inspired to be something like heaven Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting creating them because um, it's actually digital art. And yeah. so um, I get all my images and they're all from, I mean, obviously like they're pictures taken from earth and then their collages put together. So um, what I like to say is like, we're still bringing in that piece of like, you still belong to earth while still having these experiences um, in, in your soul's home. So incorporating both too but thank you that's so sweet yeah it was awesome i actually took the the goddess quiz on your website and um uh, the reason why i took it not necessarily to see what goddess i was but to see your questions because i i knew that it was a quiz that you had created and you wanted to see what kind of goddess you were and i wanted to see what kind of goddess i'm athena (laughs) she was athena (laughs) <laughs> oh, so, I love Athena. I'm yeah. going to take it and see what kind of goddess I am. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, do it. So I thought it was really cool because that was kind of um, kind of one of your, well, not kind of, it was one of your questions. Um, what areas uh, do you feel a connection to? You know, And I think that for me, because this actually happened to me before I really went on my spiritual journey, I was traveling and I was in Rome and um, I knew where everything was. I'd never been there 
never been there. And I knew exactly where to go to get to where I needed to go. Like what, now I'm going to make a left on this street. I'm going to make a right on this street. So um, it was really interesting. I took your goddess quiz and for me to be <laughs> Athena, I was like, well, no shit. I already knew that. Makes so much sense. <laughs> yeah. And I like, I love Athena because she's just like very, I have had like a, such a funny experience with her and she's like, no, like BS. Like she will like tell you how it is. <laughs> very oh, that funny. sounds right. Sounds right. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I've had those recollection of past lives as well. It's funny that you mentioned in your story about like, you know, the masculine energy as far as your spirit guides. Like I have had recollections of being actually female in past lives, mm-hmm. you know, and Hathers in Egypt and also um, being a healer in during Atlantis and Lemuria, you know, mm-hmm. and that's one thing that you also um, mentioned in a lot of your work is uh, your connection with Lemuria and you know, Atlantis. And Mm -hmm. there's something about your images when I look at them that bring this sort Mm -hmm. of feeling of familiarity when I look at it, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm wondering if we're we're kind of channeling into the same place, which is, I mean, the, the creative, the the creative dimension for me, it, it isn't so much about just, you know, pulling whatever we can in order to make this sort of image come to life. Like you're, you're getting this sort of creative, mysterious force come through you if you're quiet enough to hear it. And you're watching God just unfold right before your very eyes. And then you're left with this really beautiful image of, you know, these beautiful castles. Like it's, it's a, I, I, to me, there's a, a familiar sense of connectivity to the images that you have. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted Thank to reach you. out because um, I feel that connection that you have with Samaria. Thank you. I absolutely, I love Lemuria so much um, and learning about it. It definitely like opened a lot of doors for actually like healing. That was the first kind of like almost like knock on the door that I had of like being like, okay, like there's more to like healing energy that I can go into and um, kind of going back into like Lemurian lifetimes of what that kind of looks like, which was a lot different um they just approached it a lot differently than we do do now although we're starting to kind of come back to it um and also just like that divine feminine energy um because ten- what actually tends to happen is we have to kind of pick in a society if we want to be in the feminine or operate within the masculine and Lemuria chose the feminine um which is obviously very different than what we have so it's it's very beautiful to, to tap into that because it's just a whole other energy that isn't what the society is today, although it is becoming a little bit more, hopefully a little bit more balanced as time goes on. Yeah. Your, your soul home photo. When I looked at that, that's exactly what I thought. I'm like, Oh, this looks like Lemuria. Yeah. Yeah. And I I found out about Lemuria and Atlantis, a a lot of it through the the channelings of Edgar Cayce, Mm -hmm. the sleeping prophet. He talks, um, Edgar Cayce is just one of the most like profound channelers when it came to, um, providing information about Atlantis and Lemuria. And one thing that kind of took me by surprise in the very beginning is when we think of anything in the past, we think of, okay, well, they couldn't be anything as advanced as we are now, as far as technology mm-hmm. and things like that. But when he told stories about Atlantis and Lemuria, they seem to have uh, a very similar type of technology and an understanding of physics and science and science and all these different things and that's a very different narrative to what we're taught especially when we're young about egypt and things like that mm-hmm. so it's crazy um to think that they may have been just as advanced as we were not yeah. more yeah yeah i would say probably more especially more. because they could communicate telepathically and that's something that you know i guess some people can do but not not everyone like like then yeah mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah. from what I've seen and kind of un- understood from it is they had a deep sense of, of just psychic o- awareness and that connection that we've just lost over time. Um, but also Atlantis like took it too far. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why it sunk. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's still very much existed and we're, we're slowly coming back to it as time goes on, like compared to like even 10 years ago, what we're talking about, now and and where we are conscious wise is so different but they were so profound and and connected and filled with a lot of just like love in their hearts and i think that was the key that a lot of people forget um at least from what i've understood and what from learned from them is that love was just the all-encompassing thing and then because they had that filled with them all of the time then all the intuitive stuff and the telepathic stuff and the abilities just came very natural. It was just, it was like being able to eat an apple to them. Like it it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, And then in Atlantis, it was a little bit more, more rigid of a structure, but it was still, it was beautiful for a while until it transitioned over. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we have a a whole episode where we talk about Lemurians and Lemuria and, um, it was our Mount Shasta episode. Yeah. Our Mount Shasta episode. That's so so cool. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I'd gone to Mount Shasta and I felt, um, that energy there, the Telos, you know, they were sort of ascendants from Lemuria and, uh, the Mu, I guess the Mu civilization is what they were calling it, but you can feel that same sort of vibe. And this sort of reminds me of the feeling looking at your images of how it felt to actually be in Mount Shasta too. You know, it's on that sort of like root chakra of the planet. It's on a ley line. So the energy there is really, really intense, really heightened. And uh, it's no surprise to me that people experience like these very devout sort of mm-hmm. mystical impulses that happen. And people even um, start recollecting their past lives in Lemuria just by being around Mount Shasta. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a really really cool um energy to tap into and i it's and i read about this on the actual website when they were talking about like the how lemuria and atlantis actually sort of bumped heads with each other yeah and um, they did yeah and depending on i guess the, the the theory that you kind of go with is that they had sort of like a thermonuclear wars where they were both fighting each other yeah, that, w- that was, I read a book on it and I'm trying to remember now, but um, I read that, but I also read that there was, um, and this was from different sources, right? Yeah. That um, there was actually like a melting of of the polar ice caps and then that is why it sunk. And there's evidence, I guess, today, scientific evidence that that actually did happen. Yeah. But is it because, did it did it melt because of the thermonuclear war or, no. <laughs> you know? I think the, the most prominent thing about this story is that like these are conversations that you could have now with other people because these are things that can possibly happen with us now. Right. But mm-hmm. it's not one of those, it's not a story of like two guys bumping sticks together and like throwing right. rocks and stuff like yeah. that. Like it's, it's like, I'm going to blow your shit up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blow your shit up. So, um I, I think it's that understanding of, of past lives in Lemuria and Atlantis are becoming more prominent now with people like you that are creating this type of work. Um, it, it's no surprise to me that people start waking up to their past lives and um, their journey with those things. You know so, what I mean? Have you uh, thought about, I'm not sure if, if doing your own Oracle deck, I think that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing because I, I get a lot of messages asking for that. Um, I would, I would love to create my own Oracle deck. Um, it's more of the logistics side of it at this point of, um, you know, publishing it 
that is the only thing that's like kind of like getting in the way of it. Um, but I'm trying, I'm trying to figure that out. Um, and like kind of, I think I'm going to have to go the self-publishing route, but yeah, I would love to create my own Oracle deck. I think you do a fantastic job. I think, what is it? Blue, blue moon. They'd pick you up like right quick. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I I have a lot of Alana Fairchild's, um, decks. Um, we have a lot of, you know, Rebecca Campbell and the work that you have is really amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you, you share that with the world because there's, there's so much behind it and there's so much intention behind it. So Thank you for yeah. Do a Lemurian deck. That'd be cool. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah I messages would love from to. Lemuria. So yeah. Right. Hey. And then put your. I love the people that make decks and they put like their their friends' faces on like yeah. different like major <laughs> yeah. arcana cards. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's like your 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 uh, your friend Chad's like the de- like the face on the death card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Chad. <laughs> She's like sorry, Chad. And, yeah, that's, that's cool. That, that's cool. I mean, it's 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 a really big task. I mean, those cards are like 30, 40, 50 cards per deck. Yeah, it's a that's a lot of work and that's a lot, lot of artwork work. to create too. Yeah, but you know what? She's going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to do have, it. We have faith. We have faith that you're going to yeah. do it. So the last <laughs> thing that I kind of wanted to, to touch on, um, I know we're, we're getting toward the end, but um, when we were on your website, we saw that you have your own podcast. So what were you doing with that? And are you going to start that back up? What's your What's your plan there? So I'm, I'm probably going to start, start it back up. Um, the, the thing with the podcast is I was debating if I wanted it, um, to be a little bit more on like the solo side or the interview side. Um, a lot, honestly, a lot of the other stuff just started picking up. So I had to put a pause on it. Um, but I'm trying to create as much like free content as I can for people. So I probably will start, start it back up very soon, which I'm excited about. Um, and also a YouTube channel so that I can give as much like information and, and free content as I possibly can for people. Yeah. You know, that's what it's all about. That's what it's yeah. all about. Like we're just here to teach. If you have, if you have the knowledge, share the knowledge. I mean, yeah, we're here to learn as well. You know, me and Jen, we listen to podcasts all day long. So if you oh, yeah. keep going with that, we're going to definitely and subscribe. And we learn from and every guest. I mean, I've never not learned from every single guest that we've had on this show. So it's been really, it's been really great. Yeah. And it was so great to have you on. You're wonderful. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah. you so much. And it was so much fun. Thank you. And this is a really volatile time for a lot of people. And there's definitely a call for a lot of light workers and healers to sort of embody their work right now and spread whatever message and truth that they have. So what do you have to say or what can you leave our audience with? Just some words of wisdom to sort of navigate through these uncertain sort of radically sort of dark night of the soul times. Uh, yeah, so it's really interesting. This is like not at all what I thought was going to happen, um, but that we're talking about like Lemuria and Atlantis. There's actually like a lot of karma and like timelines and healing that's going on um, that at like personal levels that people obviously aren't like fully like conscious of, but a lot of release that's happening because of the trauma that was experienced when like those civilizations actually fell um and we're experiencing a very similar feeling so a lot of that's coming up and it's a lot of that's being triggered right now so the best thing to kind of do is actually just not act in in terms of like play it safe but make sure that you're taking care of yourself as much as you you can and and reminding yourself that you're safe and of course i'm always going to suggest like developing that meditation practice but the purpose of the practice is to go back inward and just come back in into love that exists within your own system i love that so what what is your morning practice do you have a morning practice 
So I say like a prayer every morning and I tune in every morning, but I'm actually more of like a night owl and a night person. Um, and so my, it's more of a night time practice that I have, although I know like I still like have a little bit of a morning one, but um, for me, it's, it happens at night. Um, I meditate for like as long as I, as I can, um, at least 20 minutes. Cause that's what I always recommend to people. And you got to practice, but you preach. Um, and I will sometimes like journal, but when I journal, I do more of like, Oh, like letters to God or like conversations to God of like how I'm, how I'm feeling. Um, and just like reminding like God, how much I, I love it, him, her, whatever. I don't really like put a specific pronoun on it. Um, and then sometimes I'll pull Oracle cards, but it's really just the, the last part of the day is just me reminding myself and the divine, just like literally how much I love it. Um, and connecting back into that because to me, that's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Most important. She was, she's Neil Donald Walshing it. She totally is. With her conversations with God. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, we've enjoyed having you and you're an eloquent you. speaker and it was just a pleasure to have you on the show. For all of you, you that are interested in getting in contact with Haley, her website is www.shinewithhaley.com. Social media platforms, she's on Instagram. I am Haley Cole and um, she has a YouTube channel um, and it looks like it's just a bunch of uh a bunch of letters and oh, numbers. So, but you can you find can her. Sorry. Yes, you can find her at. <laughs> Everybody gets that though. Ours is the same thing. Yeah, ours. But is you the can same find thing. her on YouTube. Yeah, Haley you Cole. can find her on YouTube. Yeah. Just Google or Google search uh, Haley Cole, yeah. and um, and she's also on TikTok. Yeah, and she also is offering uh, Golden Light Healer training and certifications. Yeah, that's where the bread and butter is. She's, she does a lot of those sort of workshops and I'm not sure you're, you're still doing those now, right? The training certifications. The tra yeah. The training certifications, um, I'm definitely doing, I had to pull back from like the one-on-one -on -one sessions, but certifications and programs, um, I'm actually just about to start one up and then I'm doing another round of a certification in like March into April is when I'm going to start. Okay. Did you want to share some dates just in case somebody wants to sign up? Um, I would love to, but I don't have them yet. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. But yeah. they could find that information on your website, right? Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, yeah. thank you again. It was such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. It, yeah. it was so fun. Yeah. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Thank you, Haley, so much. You're welcome anytime. Maybe next time, uh, come down to the studio. Yeah. We have a, cheat, a, a seat and a microphone for you. Um, Definitely. We can just wax poetic on other things. You you do so much and you have so much wisdom to share. So it'd be nice to have your energy back into the space. So yeah. whenever you get some time, let us know. And if you there's something that's on your mind and you feel called to share, definitely reach out. Or yeah, you know, um, maybe we could pop onto your podcast and <laughs> yeah. join you on your journey as well. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, well, thank you everybody for tuning in. You can find this episode on our Instagram. We'll uh, include the clips, uh, but we'll also post a full episode on YouTube. And um, you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. If you have any questions, you can go directly to our website at divine-nobodies.com. And then we'll talk to you guys online. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Namaste, friends. Namaste. Thank you, Haley. Thank you.